Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Good morning, everybody. Happy Halloween. Welcome into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. And we started this Halloween with a beautiful report coming out of the NBA that the Philadelphia 76ers have traded James Harden and the saga officially ends. So we're going to talk about that Harden trade. Want to get your guys' opinion on that. A little bit of Flyers talk. We'll take a look around the NFC after a big win by the Detroit Lions last night. And then at 1020, we'll be joined by Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Talk about that Commanders game. Look forward to the Dallas Cowboys. But I see you guys in the chat already. Appreciate you all being here. Let's get a little roll call. See who we got with us today on the Philly Sports Power Hour. Jay Owen, good morning. JM, what is up? Chuck Hutton, my man. New Jersey fishing maniac in the house. Wine Niners wine. Love seeing you guys here. William Bernie already trolling us. Saying the Cowboys are going to win this week. We'll talk about that. MC, how you doing, brother? Wheels, my man in the house. Jason A-Team, happy Halloween to you. Isaac, love it, man. Decoy Gaming, got the whole crew here today. Love that you guys take the time to spend an hour with me talking Philly sports. Denise Larada checking in. Love it. Absolutely love it, guys. But let's get in. In the wee hours of the morning, the news started to trickle out that the 76ers have finally traded James Harden. Curious as to what your guys' opinions are, but I think this is a great trade for the 76ers and Daryl Morey. And I see you in there. Tuca, good to see you. JM, appreciate that. Wine Niners Wine, always remind everybody to smash that like button. The real zeal doing the same, so I appreciate it. Let's smash that like button, hit that share button. But let's talk about this trade. So Daryl Morey sends James Harden, P.J. Tucker, and Philip Petrusev to the Los Angeles Clippers in exchange for Nicholas Batum, Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, and K.J. Martin. But the big part of the trade, an unprotected 2028 first-round pick from the Clippers, a 2026 first-round pick via the Oklahoma City Thunder, two second-round picks, and a pick swap in exchange really for Harden and Tucker. I don't even know who Philip Petrusev is, to be honest with you. But I see JM. The other first is coming from the Oklahoma City Thunder. But I love this move, and I love this move for a lot of reasons. Number one, get James Harden the hell out of Philadelphia, okay? I'm done with him. He's tied now for the most trades in NBA history by a former MVP. He's been traded four freaking times. At the end of the day, you got to look in the mirror and say, who's the problem? All four teams, or is it you, James Harden? So I'm happy the Sixers get rid of James Harden. They also get out from under the P.J. Tucker contract. 
he was in the second year of his three-year $33 million deal. So like that, and the guys they get are all on expiring contracts. Nicholas Batum, Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, and K.J. Martin all on expiring contracts. The Sixers have set themselves up that this summer they will have somewhere between 50 to $65 million in cap space. That's big. And then getting that draft capital back, the two first-rounders, the two second-rounders, that allows them to make a move for another star if someone becomes available. That's the report coming out of the NBA that the Eagles and Dar- – excuse me, the Eagles. I'm always talking Eagles. That the Sixers and Daryl Morey are looking for a piece to add. It probably won't be soon. Probably got to get closer to that trade deadline when one of these teams realizes they're no longer in contention. But this is a big move. This is a big move. And this allows Tyrese Maxey to continue to shine. Let's talk about our man Tyrese Maxey, the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. So far through three games, averaging 30.3 points, 6.7 rebounds, 6.3 assists, and only one turnover. Maxey keeps playing like this. He will be an all-star this year. But I just pray that as the trade deadline approaches in the NBA later this season, that Daryl Morey is able to package these picks to bring in a star because I want to stop wasting Joel Embiid's prime. He's not getting any younger. Now is the time for the Sixers to try to win. I know we're set up for the offseason. They're going to have 50 to 65 million in cap space. That's great. But we can't waste this season and we need another piece to add to Embiid and Maxi. But what do you guys think? If you're in the chat, I know all of us are Eagles fans. We're going to get into the Eagles. We got Dave Spadaro joining us later. But what do you guys think about the chat? In the chat, did you like this trade by the Philadelphia 76ers? Are you happy that how that James Harden is now out of town? Oh, Jay Owen with a hot take in the chat. Time to rip the band-aid completely. Trade them while the value is high and beads gotta go. They are not a contender. I'm not ready to give up on Joel Embiid just yet, man. Tyrese Maxey coming into his prime. Add another player to this team, and I think they could make a run with Joel Embiid. But I know all you guys, you're already talking about Howie Roseman in the trade deadline, and I know we love our Eagles, so I'll get off of the Sixers talk if you guys want to get off of the Sixers talk. But I see the real zeal, or excuse me, wine niners wine, not until the Sixers have a real owner. But the real zeal likes to trade. How could you not like to trade? I agree. I've been battling with some people today that this trade's great. I mean, I'm in a group chat, and a few people are saying that they think the Eagles got dog shit, quote-unquote. I disagree entirely. I think this was a great move, especially with what leverage the Sixers had. Harden wanted to go to the Clippers. He was going to make it hard for any other team if they tried to trade for him. I don't think you were going to get anything out of Harden this year. And you also were able to get rid of the P.J. Tucker contract. I think this was a great move. I think this was a great move. Jay Owen agrees. Love that Harden and Tucker are gone. Tuca, it's good for both teams because Harden has not been good. So, Wine Niners Wine hit me with a how about them Flyers? Come on. Well, Flyers lose late last night to the Carolina Hurricanes. That's their second loss in a row. But they're playing hard. They're 4-4-1 and one this season. 
and Travis Sanheim is having a huge bounce back year. How many Flyers fans are in the chat? Because I will talk Flyers if we got some fans here. But Travis Sanheim, third in the NHL in time on ice per game. Really playing well. Travis Konechny's playing well. Sean Couturier's playing well. Carter Hart's not doing a bad job between the pipes. They're playing hard. I think you'll probably see them play about 500 hockey all season. That's where they are now, 4-4-1. Four, four, and one. But a lot better than a lot of people expected. And all you could ask for is that they leave it all out there, which they're doing. But let's talk about trades. Since we're on the topic of trades, and I see you guys already in the chat talking about trade deadlines. Just got reported. Cornerback Jalen Johnson for the Chicago Bears is being has been given permission to seek a trade. And there's reports that the Philadelphia Eagles are in on that potential trade. Now, there's always reports that the Philadelphia Eagles are in on potential trades, but this one would make a lot of sense if the Philadelphia Eagles were able to get Jalen Johnson. He's in the final year of his rookie deal, was unable to work out an extension with the Chicago Bears. Now, remember, he was a second-round draft pick, so there is no fifth-year option on his deal. That only comes with first-rounders in the NFL. So he's in the final year of his rookie deal. Through eight games this season, Jalen Johnson is the third highest graded corner in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. The guy has been absolutely phenomenal in coverage, has an 85.8 rating in coverage. So this would be a no-brainer move to get a guy who's still only 24 years old. And if you follow me on Twitter, I did a tweet last night. And some of you guys I saw at my show last night, the legal hands to the face, appreciate all of you for that. But I did a tweet last night about Darius Slay and James Bradbury. As good as these guys have been over the years, eight weeks into the season, James Bradbury and Darius Slay are the 80th and 81st graded quarter, cornerbacks in pass coverage per pro football focus with a minimum of 75 snaps. I'm going to say that again. Eight weeks into this season, all pro corner, James Bradbury, pro bowler, Darius Slay, are the 80th and 81st graded cornerbacks in the NFL when it comes to pass coverage. That is a problem on this team. This Philadelphia Eagles defense has not been very good against the pass, and it's not hard to figure out why when your two best corners are not playing very well in pass coverage. After week eight, the Eagles are sitting here 26 out of 32 teams, giving up 248 passing yards per game. Big problem. So if the Philadelphia Eagles can somehow figure out a way to bring in a corner like a Jalen Johnson, do it. Absolutely do it. And I don't think you're going to have to give up a first-round draft pick to get a guy like Jalen Johnson. Maybe you do, but I don't think it's going to take a first simply because he's in the final year of his deal. So any trade is going to have to come with a big contract. So if Howie Roseman can get Jalen Johnson, I am all for it. But today is the trade deadline. We will see. He's always, always in the mix. 
always in the mix when trades are happening. I see JM saying the only caveat to that is we've played against almost every top 10 wide receiver. Some truth in that. Some truth in that. They did have to play the Vikings and Justin Jefferson. They had to play the Miami Dolphins and Tyreek Hill. Terry McLaurin's a pretty good receiver in Washington. But they also played the New England Patriots, man. Let Mac Jones throw for over 300 yards in that game. They did play the Tampa Bay Bucks, shut them down, and Mike Evans. It's weird because they've actually played pretty well against some good receivers, and they've had some hiccups in here. But hopefully these guys can get it together. I know there's also a part of that is there's been a different secondary group every single week. So don't want to pile on too much on Slay and Bradbury because when you look at who they're playing with, it is a different group every single week. Last week, Kevin Byard just got here. Reed Blankenship coming back from injury. They've had Bradley Roby. Then he's out of the lineup. You had Avante Maddox to start the season. Now he's out. They're rolling out Eli Ricks, an undrafted rookie. You got Sidney Brown playing the slot. It's been a lot of change in that secondary. So I want to give Darius Slay and James Bradbury a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here. It's not always easy playing with a different secondary group every single week. But even with all that being said, if a guy like Jalen Johnson becomes available for the right price, you 100% make that move. And I see Rock Steady saying to trade Maddox. They're not going to trade Maddox, but he will not be here next year. Because, number one, he can't stay healthy. And the way Howie Roseman likes to structure deals is he puts a lot of money in the final years of the deal. And next year, Avante Maddox's cap hit balloons. So unless he agrees to any sort of contract restructuring, he's gone. And you can't trade because he's on IR at this point, I believe. I think they put him on IR. So he's not going anywhere as far as this year, but he will be cut. And don't forget, they made that nice move for Isaiah Rogers as well, who will be here next season. But that's why you could bring in a guy like Jalen Johnson. You got Isaiah Rogers coming back from the suspension, hopefully next year. That's two really good young corners. Really good young corners. So... We will see what happens there. But you take a look around the NFC, man. This is a huge week for the Philadelphia Eagles. And not only because it's the Dallas Cowboys and every Cowboys game is huge because we hate the Cowboys. But this is a huge game for the Philadelphia Eagles and their goal to be the number one seed in the NFC. And I see you guys in the chat. You cannot trade a player on IR. My question was, did they, in fact, put Maddox on IR? And I think they did. I think they did. Because I think he is. There was some talk that maybe he'd be able to come back this season. But I think they did put him on. Did think they put him on IR. But this is a huge week for the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. Because we know this. the goal of the regular season is for the Philadelphia Eagles to finish as the number one seed in the NFC. We want the NFC to come through Philly on the road to the Super Bowl. And it's not going to be easy. Eagles are sitting here in a great spot as the only 7-1 and one team in the NFL. 
the only 7-1 team in the NFC. But they got a killer stretch coming up, and it starts this week against the Dallas Cowboys. And you look around the NFC, Cowboys are 5-2. and two. This is a big game, man, for that NFC and that NFC East. Because as much as we want the Eagles to be the number one seed, if they don't take care of their own division, the best they could be is a five seed with no home games. So they have to take care of business this week, and they got to figure out a way to beat Dak Prescott. And if we have some Cowboys fans in the chat, I'm sure they're going to start trolling now that the Eagles can't beat Dak. But you look at Dak Prescott's record against the Philadelphia Eagles, and he is 8-3. and three. He's won three games in a row. The Philadelphia Eagles have not beaten Dak Prescott since December of 2019. That needs to change this week. This defense needs to show up this week. And we'll continue to preview the Eagles and the Cowboys as the week progresses. But I said it last night on my Legal Hands to the Face show for you guys who were there. They need to protect the football. They absolutely need to protect the football this week because this Dallas Cowboys team, they've been up and down. They're 5-2. and two. But in their five wins, they have a turnover differential of plus 10. And, if they're, and in their two losses, they have a turnover differential of minus 3. So that's the key. Every week it is key, but especially this week against the Dallas Cowboys. And we're going to take a quick break, guys. But when we come back, we're going to talk to Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. I want to talk to him about that Commanders game, get his opinion on some of these injuries, and then preview the Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles this week. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Dave Spadaro. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit at pond lee hockey we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients and we're confident we can do the same for you with over 250 years of combined courtroom experience We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We 
here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. We are joined, like we are every week, by Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. What's up, Dave? Happy Halloween, my man. Hey, Bill. Thanks. How are you doing today? Not too bad. I woke up to some good news that the Sixers traded James Harden. I figured people would be very happy about that. Good trade. You know, when I first looked at the thing, I was like, what do they get back? Because the players don't really do much for me. But obviously, when you get future assets... When you clear salary cap space, great deal. And I'll tell you, it's like when you first look at Howie Roseman trading Contavis Street, you go, oh, who cares, right? But you get back an asset, and it gives you more of a chance to use that asset today as the trade deadline is here or in the future. And I think we've learned that every single move matters. Every single roster spot is important. So I love these kind of deals. Yeah, I'm all for it, man. And they cleared, like you said, they cleared some cap space. They set themselves up, hopefully. It's the first time in a while that you feel like you have some options as a Sixers fan. Because after they made that trade for Harden, they really couldn't be in on any other trades. They didn't have any assets. They didn't have any room. So, at least we have some options now. Yeah, and I, by the way, just final Sixers comment, because I'm not the expert. I'm just a fan. I like this team a lot. I think Tobias Harris is six points better without James Harden. I think they move the ball better. I think they can play with pace. I think they've got some depth. I think they play with more joy and and play off of Maxi's energy rather than stand around and wait for Harden to make a move. No, I like it too. And while we're talking trades, because I know everybody in the chat wants to know, what's Howie up to, man? You see him around the Novacare? Is he on the phone? Is he working these well, phones? Well, he doesn't walk around with his phone on, but... Um, you know, look, I, I I don't know what will happen today. I mean, I'm sure that he's very active looking around. I think it's very tough to make a deal. The Eagles can trade for next year's picks. Uh, their first pick, the two number twos. Um, the fifth that they get that's either, I think, Minnesota or Tampa Bay's or this pick that they got yesterday, um, for a six-round pick from Atlanta. So that kind of limits your options. Now you can package that and do a future also. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I I mean they have interest. I'm sure he's always working the phones, no doubt. Uh, I just I am not I'm not here to break any news, Bill. I'm not here to speculate on breaking any news. That's that that is 
And I, I want fans to make sure that everybody understands, like, if I speculate somebody's going to write about it, I'm going to get my ass kicked. <laughs> so, yeah, because it's, uh, it just doesn't, it's not a good thing. It's not yeah, a good thing. That would be reported as a. Uh, as a, as the Eagles are going to do this. Yeah, yeah. Eagles insider tells us. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about that Washington Commanders game for a second. One of the best games I've seen from Jalen Hurts from the pocket in a really long time. He threw the ball so well in that game. And obviously, he wasn't running as much. I don't know how much of a factor his knee was, but how impressed were you from a passing perspective with Jalen Hurts on Sunday? Yeah, a lot. Very impressed. I mean, I, I, he has been getting better, as Nick said. I, I Look, I thought there were times last season where he was awesome from the pocket. And I thought the Rams game this year, he was very good from the pocket. And uh, on Sunday against Washington, he had to be great from the pocket. The run game really wasn't doing much early on. They didn't give it much of a chance early on. They fell behind. He had to remain patient. Washington's pass rush was pretty decent, actually. Their their defensive line came to play. It's just so weird how Washington matches up with the Philadelphia Eagles. And you watch them one week and they stink, and Sam Howell gets sacked seven times. And then they play the Eagles, and it's like offensive line stands up. They get the ball out. They roll them out of the pocket. Um, but Jalen, I, I, I think was, as you look back at his career and he came in, you go, okay, here's a young, dynamic, exciting quarterback. And I saw – I've been around here long enough to see Randall and then Donovan and all of these quarterbacks with mobility afterward. The next step after mobility for a young quarterback is – winning from the pocket and last year Jalen really got that part of his game down and he's gotten better and then Sunday he had to do it and you know when you are able to rely on somebody like A.J. Brown to make sensational catches um, and then when you the defense focuses so much on Jay, uh, on A.J. that they leave Devontae Smith wide open that helps too so excellent game from Jalen one of the best that I've seen no doubt and the Eagles needed every bit of it. You mentioned A.J. and Devontae, and one of the most impressive stats I saw from Sunday was they targeted A.J. and Devontae 15 times, and on those 15 targets, 15 catches, 229 yards, and three touchdowns. What a luxury to have two wide receivers like A.J. and Devontae on this team. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of today's game, Bill. You have to have explosive wide receivers or a superstar quarterback or both um, or a tight end who's great. Like, you look at all the great teams, and – I know that the Chiefs don't have the great receiver, but they've got an amazing tight end and a, the best you know player in the game in Patrick Mahomes. Um, San Francisco is – you see the drop-off at quarterback now and you see how that – and no Debo, of course. That impacts him. It's a, it is a passing league. You have to run the football for sure, but it is a passing league now. So um, – but to have – look at – again, this is the best combination of receivers the Eagles have ever had. Quick and Carmichael, Carmichael was at the end of his career. Quick was just beginning his career. Macklin and um, Deshaun Jackson, both good, but not at this level. Irving Fryer never really had that other guy. Um, you're too young to remember Chris T. Jones, but we all hoped that Chris T. Jones would develop into that into that guy. Um, I don't think James, uh, uh, James Thrash and Todd Pinkston and Freddie Mitchell were quite at this level. T.O. never really had that other guy. Pinkston was, you know, okay. But these guys are so good. And, I, I mean, I know everybody, you know, the, the narrative this week that I've seen so far is, 
All the Cowboys have to do is stop is stop A.J. Brown. Okay, if you want to put all your eggs in that basket, Devontae Smith is able to go for huge numbers and, and have a game-breaking kind of performance also. So it is a, it's a necessity. It is a wonderful thing to have, and the Eagles are fully taking advantage of those two amazing players and their talents. Yeah, don't forget Dallas Goddard and Julio Jones, who I want to talk to you about in a second because that was a big yeah. touchdown. But sticking yeah. with – like I said, 15 of 15 on targets to A.J. and Devontae. One of those, we now, through the luxury of instant replay, no, actually hit the ground, that Devontae Smith. It was a fourth and four in the third quarter. I just did a video on my Instagram about this. Fourth and four, third quarter, Eagles go for it. Ball clearly hits the ground on replay. But what I love is this is the second time now we've seen the Eagles do this. They did it in the NFC Championship game. Being able to practice that and then execute it where you're able to get to the line of scrimmage quickly to not give the opposing team a chance to throw the challenge flag. Great coaching, great execution by the players. Why don't other teams do these types of things? Nick Sirianni, you got to give him a lot of credit for practicing plays like that. Bill, it's a really great point, and I'm glad you brought it up. And it is a credit to Nick, and it's a credit to his insistence on situational football. You know, we watch practice and, you know, when he first came in in these hour and 15 minute practices and the media guys and former players would swing by and go, what in the world is this? What are these, who cares about all these walkthroughs? Like go out there and hit and practice your fundamentals. And, oh boy, well, what he does is he maximizes things like that. Those moments where you are in a situation, whatever that situation is, here's what you do in that situation. Shame on Ron Rivera for not immediately. I mean, again, we judge Nick on if Nick were on the other sideline there, you throw that flag immediately. It's fourth down. What are you saving it for? It's the sidelines going crazy. Throw the flag. So for the Eagles to get so everybody was aware that that was a questionable call. And the way that Jalen and the offense executed such a quick snap, really impressive. And in a large way, one of the most significant moments of the game. Um, the Eagles needed it and kept the drive a uh, touchdown drive alive. So kudos to Nick, kudos to situational football. Again, the, these these five, you know, these five pillars of what of what the core values of what Nick has is fundamentals, and that's coaching fundamentals also, and that's situational fundamentals. And so, and then football IQ that that's where it, it's where it plays into. So very very smart move, and uh, at a critical time once again we see uh, how good a coach Nick Sirianni is. Yeah, huge play, man. Huge play. Yeah. And I mentioned Julio Jones. Big touchdown down, down there in the red zone. Great pass by Jalen Hurst. Threw an absolute laser. But what I loved most is, obviously, hopefully he shown he can be a red zone weapon. But what I loved, and Nick talked about this yesterday, was look at how his teammates reacted. I mean, everybody's running to that end zone to celebrate with Julio Jones. This is a guy that just got here, but you could see – how good of a locker room guy he must be because the whole team was fired up for Julio. It's that. Yes, for sure. It's that it's accepting your role. And Bill, let's be honest, like it's Julio Jones. And so when Julio was in his prime as the best receiver in the game, maybe all these players were like, geez, I hate to say, were they high school and college players? (laughs) So they were like looking at Julio like, wow, Oh, man, this guy's awesome. And now he's in the locker room and now he's accepting a role and he's part of the team. 
And so, yeah, so it's an opportunity. I, I saw it kind of with, you, you see it time to time when players of with great stature come to a team, similar in a way to when Michael Vick became a Philadelphia Eagle. And you remember he started as a third quarterback and had a couple of plays here and there. And, you know, he scored Detroit. I remember his first time, or not in Atlanta, his return to Atlanta. So, you know, these are these are players who are icons of the locker room when the locker room they were all kids. So, and yeah, and, and Julio has been terrific. And I love the way the Eagles are using him, ramping him, him up very slowly. Let's be aware that he's had some injuries in the past. Let's not rush him into anything. Let's not send him down the field on go routes. Let's work him in where he can use his big body. And uh, let's see how he does in that instance. And he came up with a huge catch. And we've all been talking about the red zone. Now teams, when Julio Jones is in the game, that's another thing for them to account for. And this team has gotten better each week in the red zone. They had a good week against Miami. Outside of two real costly turnovers against the Commanders, they would have had another great game in the red zone. But what happened down there on that tush-push play? I think I heard Sirianni talk about it today where Jalen fumbles it that he thinks they started to push Jalen a little bit too soon than they normally would, and that's what led to the to turnover. Did you see that or yeah. hear him talk? Uh, no, I, I thought it was – I thought maybe, like, Dickerson's arm came – I mean, it was such a jumble. I'm just guessing. I, I don't really know. But it does speak to Bill how everybody thinks you can just run the tush push or the brotherly shove. Stop calling it the tush push. The brotherly shove, <laughs> and it just works. Well, it's not – that's not the way it is. There's timing involved. There's precision involved. You cannot practice it during the week at full speed for sure. You know, it's too dangerous. So there are a lot of elements involved. And, it, you know, Nick probably knows better than I for sure. Not pr probably. He definitely knows better <laughs> than I for sure. Um, if the players started pushing a little bit early, you know, again, that's a timing thing. So something to work on. I, I can't take a you can't you can't take away the two giveaways in the red zone. It's got to get better. The critical that especially when you've got a game like this coming up against the Dallas Cowboys, you've got to play at the very highest level. You cannot afford two inside the five-yard line fumbles. It is amazing that the Eagles fumbled the ball away twice inside the five and were still up two touchdowns with, you know, three minutes left, two minutes left in the game, minute and a half left in the game, whatever it was. So um, really good football team, got to clean up the red zone. But you're right. Other than that, and it, and also a game against the the Miami Dolphins, Eagles really, really good in the red zone after that first possession. So that is a promising sign as you look to ramp up, get better and better and better. Yeah, and they're going to need it this week. But let, let's jump over to that defensive side of the ball real quickly and look back at that Commanders game. I don't think that the secondary would disagree with us that it wasn't their best game back there in the secondary, letting Sam Howell throw for almost four linebackers too. A lot on the linebackers here, Bill. Yeah, that back seven really didn't play well in the passing game on Sunday. How much do you attribute that to? I'm giving them a little bit of slack here, that it was really the first time that group had ever played together. Bayer just got here last week. Reed Blankenship coming back from injury. And how much do you attribute it to them just not really playing together? I think they just didn't play well. I mean, I think that um, it was a copycat of what the enemy did against the Eagles, both in the Super Bowl – and when the commanders played at Lincoln Financial Field, Sam Howe got the ball out extraordinarily quickly. You know, under, I think it was 1.93 seconds in the first half. 
Um, so that negates your pass rush. They ran crossing routes. They ran 100 bubble screens. Um, and the Eagles just didn't – and they knew it was coming. They just didn't clamp down on it and play it well. They didn't play the middle of the field well. And so you say, well, why doesn't every team do that against the Eagles? Well, that's just not what they do. Like it's it's not you – know, you know, you don't say, hey, why don't the Eagles change up their defensive scheme for this week against the Cowboys, for example. So players are off today. They have a walkthrough tomorrow. They have a practice on Thursday where they're not wearing pads. And then Friday's red zone. So if you're going to install something entirely new, they're not going to be well-versed in it, and you risk blown coverages, miscommunications, et cetera. So what you do is you do what you do, but you've got to do it better. And clearly, I would imagine teams will go after the middle of the field against the Eagles. Eagles got to stop it. Simple as that. They didn't play up to the standards that they have played. And the Washington offense did a really great job. And they, they moved Howell out of the pocket. And look, Dak Prescott is great out of the pocket. So this is something that the Eagles will have to be much, much better at going against Prescott, going against CeeDee Lamb out of the slot, where in the game last year, um, Christmas Eve, I think he had 11 targets, 10 catches, 124, two touchdowns, whatever the numbers were. Um, this is coming on Sunday. The Eagles defense has to be ready for that challenge. And to be ready for that challenge, it'd be nice to have a guy like Jalen Carter on the field. Can you tell us anything about whether or not Jalen Carter will be able to play this week? Yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds uh, hopeful. Uh, I think the obviously you, know, you get treatment. It's only Tuesday. We'll see what they do on the field this week. Um, but Nick sounded very hopeful about it, and it was unlike him to offer anything along the lines of injuries uh, in his press conference on Mondays. But he was hopeful. That is a good sign. Always learn to read between the lines with the head coach. Um, he's not going to give you the information on the, on, the, on the injuries, but he was optimistic with Jalen, and that's a really good sign. And you mentioned C.D. Lamb in the slot. Any update on Bradley Roby and when he may be able to return back to the field? Yeah, that's a good question. I really don't know. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't even know. Look, it was never termed a week-to-week -week injury, so – the fact that he was out and didn't practice last week was a bit surprising to me. It would be great to have him back for this game. Um, no offense to Eli Ricks, but there's just the experience factor here is so much greater with Bradley Roby. So I really can't give you any update. You'll have to find out, as I will find out, when the team practices. It's walkthrough tomorrow and Thursday, Friday practice. Yeah, and, and Nick said he was hopeful that Cam Jurgens may be able to return yeah. this week. And I think but, I think we I think we kind of see a little bit the running game really hasn't been that good these last couple of weeks. Maybe Cam Jurgens makes a big difference. Um his athleticism, his leverage, uh would love to see him back in the lineup. Again, the Eagles have gotten good play from Sua. Um and Steen played a little bit the other day. Good for him to get some reps. So uh yeah, it would be great to get Cam back. You mentioned the running game hasn't been as great the last few weeks, and that's what I wanted to ask you about because if you look at the last five games, the running backs are only averaging 3.2 yards per carry. What do you attribute that to? Fox, I think that teams are playing to dare Jalen Hurts to win with his arm. And so, again, that goes back to what we started with, Jalen in the pocket. 
if the Eagles see a heavy box, Jalen Hurts is just going to change the call and, and throw the ball. You don't run against a heavy box. And I think teams are loading up the box against the Eagles. They don't want them to establish the run game. They don't want Jalen Hurts to run. They want to take away one element of his explosive game. That's the only thing. I mean, I think it's been really – I think I don't have to take anything away from what, um, you know, DeAndre has done. I think DeAndre runs really hard. I think he's been elusive. I think he's been tough, lowered his shoulder. I, I just – I worry about that all the time with him. But there's just that, that big play running game has not been there. And you see the Eagles offense not at its very best, except when that you – know, they need that running game to be – to establish itself, to establish the line of scrimmage, and to open up things in the pass game. So I, I, the, only thing, uh, the only thing I can attribute it to is a heavy box, um, good fronts in the Jets. Uh, Miami's front is pretty good. They, they do a good job against the run. Washington statistically does not do a good job against the run but they played very well on Sunday. So um, Eagles got to get the run game going. It really would help against Dallas. Uh, the Cowboys missing still Lander, Leighton Vander Esch. Um, they've played extremely well defensively. They thrive on teams that need to throw the football. They are an opportunistic defense. They've returned three interceptions for touchdowns. Bland has done so. So uh, it is really important to be balanced against the Cowboys on Sunday. Absolutely. And, Talk, before we get into Dallas, there's a question I get all the time on this show in the chat, and even my family members text me. Where has Rashad Penny been, and why can't he get activated on game days? Can you tell us anything about Rashad Penny and whether or not there's a chance we may see him in the future? Yeah, I field? think he's. Uh, I think all I can say is that look, the the line that you hear is it's a numbers game. The Eagles have three backs up; they can only keep so many active on game days. Uh, I will tell you that he's getting healthier. He's healthy, working his way back from that injury last year. He's got a good attitude. I think if the Eagles need him in the in the late later season, he really would be a great weapon. Um, but I don't think it's any case like where he's in the doghouse. I think that the longer you can keep Rashad Penny healthy, when it gets colder, when you're going to need power running game, uh, he'll be available. Can you dress four running backs? You know that's that's the challenge. So, um, you know, when you have Britton Covey is primarily a punt returner and ideally maybe you wouldn't just dress a guy to be a punt returner, but Britton's become such a great weapon when you have to dress extra defensive backs because you've had so many injuries that takes away from your ability to keep a fourth running back. Who's not going to help you very much on special teams. So all I can say is that he's healthy, getting healthier and he's, his attitude's been fine, and he's itching to play. And, you know, we'll see if his time is called, if his number is called and his time comes. All right. Maybe a little insurance policy here if uh, we need I mean, maybe. I mean, I, I, look, I don't – I don't. I, I thought that he would be a, a large contributor to this team. He was very – he was used sparingly in the preseason. I think he had two carries for 18 yards or something like that in the preseason. Um, so it's been a bit of a mystery to me as well, and – the Eagles seem pleased with the rotation that they have at running back. And, you know, I know that Gainwell had the big fumble, but he's a good pass blocker. He catches the football well. He's versatile. And Penny really just doesn't have that kind of versatility. And hopefully this week, you mentioned the running game. It's Dallas week. And you look at this Dallas defense, as good as they have been in a lot of categories, the one area they have struggled is against the run. They're 18th in the league against the run. They're giving up 4.1 yards per carry. 
But like you said earlier, they do feast on teams who have to throw the football. But how good is this Dallas team, Dave? Because they really looked like complete opposites in their wins and their losses. They won five games and put up a ton of points in those games, and then they lose to the Arizona Cardinals 28-16, and they get absolutely crushed by the San Francisco 49ers 42-10. to How good is this Dallas team? I mean, I, I it's hard to say, Bill. I mean, I, how good are the San Francisco 49ers? Yeah. How good are the Philadelphia? I mean, do we know anything really about teams? This is why it's it's just win games right now. I don't. I think teams haven't found themselves. There've been injuries all over the place, inconsistency. How good are the Detroit Lions? What are they six and two? And they yeah, got they blown out by night. Buffalo. They blow, but blown out by Buffalo, and they come back and beat the Raiders last night. I mean, I think Dallas is a very talented team that plays the Eagles really well. I think that they um, have uh, a lot of pieces that are problematic. Lamb, uh, good, aggressive, fearless cornerbacks, Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. So they've got a tandem at the pass rush um, up front in the front seven. An offensive line that's pretty darn good. A quarterback that's experienced and can move in and out of the pocket. They've got a good running game. They've got multiple receivers. I mean, they've got a very good team. But it's not – I just – how do you explain it? It's it's not the best team that always wins the game. It's the best team that day. And that's why I never go one way or the other after a win or a loss. Because what happened the week before, you know, we all talk about it for days afterward. But how much does it really impact the next week other than injuries? You know, you, you see so much inconsistency in the NFL these days that the only thing that matters is winning football games. And the Eagles have done that seven of the eight games they played. So to answer your question, I think Dallas is a really good team. I also think that there are times when you get up on them, they struggle in a large way. When you are able to contain Dak in the, in the pocket as the Cardinals did and pressure him and he's throwing the football around and it kind of snowballs on the Cowboys. That's what I, that's how I guess I would say it. The Cowboys are a team. They're like a snowball. And early on when they score a lot of points, they snowball to a great win as they did on Sunday against the Rams. And when things snowball, you know, starts against them in a negative way, that also snowballs and they turn the ball over as they did against the Cardinals. They fail in the red zone as they did against the Cardinals or in the case of the Niners, the Niners just pulled away, pulled away, pulled away, pulled away, pulled away. And Dak threw a bunch of interceptions. I think three interceptions on three successive possessions. So that's how I would characterize the Cowboys. They're a snowball kind of team. When things are going really well, that snowballs in the right direction for them. When they're doing poorly, it snowballs in the wrong direction. You're spot on with that. I mean, you look at their five wins, they're averaging over 34 points a game. And in their two losses, they're averaging 13 points a game. So you're right. They either dominate or they get dominated, it appears. But one thing I really hope that the Eagles are able to do this week is establish the run because I went and looked. In their five wins, the opposing teams have only rushed for an average of 74 yards. Part of that's because the Cowboys have gotten out to such a big lead. But in their two losses to the Cardinals and the Niners, they gave up 196 yards rushing on average. The Cardinals put up 222 on the ground. So do you think this Philadelphia Eagles team 
where the running game has struggled a little bit over the last few weeks, will be able to run the football against this Cowboys defense. I mean, I always think the Eagles can run the football with this offensive line, with a quarterback who can do it, um, with running backs who are certainly we've seen DeAndre Swift go for 175 this season. So, yes, I think the Eagles can run the football unless the Cowboys stack the box and trust their cornerbacks and their safeties to cover the wide receivers and the tight ends. Yeah, take what the defense gives you, right? We hear that a lot. I mean, I I know it sounds awful and boring and terrible, but I do think the Eagles have the kind of offense that is multiple and and can beat you in a lot of different ways. Um, But you don't run against a stacked box. Uh, It would be great to see. I'm not sure. Look, we haven't seen Jalen running a whole lot here. I don't know what is, if the knee is bothering him a bit or what kind of, if it's limiting his mobility at all. No need the other day. He was great from the pocket. And if he has to drop back and throw the football and the Eagles can protect him and keep Micah out of his face and keep Demarcus Lawrence out of his face, hey, that's fine too. Well, hopefully when we have you on next week, we'll be going into the bye. Eight and one, two games up in the NFC East, two games up in the NFC maybe. So I really – That'd be nice, right, man? Well, I appreciate it, Dave. It's Dallas week. I'm sure everybody's fired up at NovaCare like all the fans are as well. But appreciate you taking the time, my man. Bill, thanks so much, and go Birds! Always, always. Well, that was our Eagles insider, Dave Spadaro. Always nice to have him on the show. He joins us every week. We usually try to get him on Tuesdays like we had him today. Sometimes he has other obligations, but he joins us every single week to provide some insight from the Eagles' Novacare complex. So, And I see you guys in the chat saying, oh, he needs to be careful about what he says sometimes. But he's great, very, very knowledgeable, as you can tell. Appreciate Dave Spadaro making the time. We're going to take one more quick break, guys. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show. And I got a little today in sports history that I think you guys will love. So stay tuned. you own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 my name is dr bruce grossinger and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675.
We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Win and save this baseball season from Colony Pools and Power Washing, a local company serving Delaware, Delco, and Chester County since 1970. Are you tired of looking at your green house? Is your roof, siding, deck stained green from algae and mold? Let the experts pressure wash your home and take the pressure off of you. Win with Colony Pools and Power Washing. Call them now at 302-762-2250. That's 302-762-2250. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour. Thanks for spending this morning with me talking Philly sports. I do appreciate it. I'm seeing a lot of reports that the Eagles are expected to make a strong push for cornerback Jalen Johnson. I'll believe it when I see it, but man, that would be huge for this team to add a player of Johnson's caliber. But we will see. Trade deadline is today. If you guys follow me, you know that I have been saying I would like to see them bring in a big-bodied running back as well. And We talked to Dave Spadaro. I don't know what's going on with Rashad Penny. He said he's not in the doghouse. If you guys follow the Jacob Sports pregame show, Derek Gunn said the people he's spoken to inside the organization are essentially saying that Rashad Penny is an insurance policy. But I think they need more than an insurance policy in that running back room. I think they need a guy who can dress on game days and contribute to this offense. I gave you the numbers. We know what the yards per carry have been over the last few weeks. But when you watch these games, the running game is not working. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, Brian Johnson doesn't call enough run plays early to establish any sort of run. you got to get your team into a rhythm. you got to get these offensive linemen run blocking earlier. you got to give your running backs opportunities to get into a rhythm. They only gave DeAndre Swift one damn carry in the first half of that Commanders game. Look, it's hard to be mad. Eagles put up 38 points, could have put up 52 points without those two fumbles. But you have to be able to establish the run. And as this season progresses and we go through this nightmarish stretch that's coming up, and when the weather changes and the playoffs get here, You have to be able to run the football, especially if you get a lead, especially if you get a lead. So I do think a part of it is not calling enough run plays early. I think a big part of it is Sua Opeta replacing Cam Juergens. So those are two things. But I also think you need a back as a change of pace back to DeAndre Swift that can run between the tackles. And if it's not Rashad Penny and you don't have enough faith to dress Rashad Penny, then go out and bring somebody in. And if he doesn't do it today via a trade, you could still maybe sign some sort of free agent. I don't know who else is available. I would have loved to have seen the Eagles 
do what the Buffalo Bills did and bring in Leonard Fournette. I think Fournette would have been a great compliment to DeAndre Swift in this offense. But we'll see what they do today. We'll see if they're able to bring in a corner. There's also some rumors that they're looking at linebacker depth. I'd like that. Maybe Jordan Hicks getting him back from Minnesota. Maybe even the D-line. So we will see. And I see the Fandalorian talking about A.J. Dillon. He'd be great. I don't know what it would take to get him, but he would be good. But we will see. And I saw some of you guys in the chat talking about what happened with Kenny Gainwell texting or, excuse me, responding to an Instagram DM at halftime. I think that is a suspendable offense. I said it last night on the Legal Hands to the Face show. I think he should be suspended this week, and I think you give Rashad Penny a shot because you cannot be responding to DMs in the ha- at halftime. It's unacceptable. I think he should be suspended for this week. I really do. But, guys, it is a big week. We will continue to preview this Dallas Cowboys game. But, look, you guys know I love my stats, and I'm going to give you some stats throughout the week. But at the end of the day, this is going to be a battle. It always is. NFC East opponent, Dallas Cowboys at the link. You know the fans are going to be rocking. But like every week, you got to protect the football, and even more so this week. This Dallas Cowboys defense is a very opportunistic defense in takeaways. They're in the top five in the NFL in takeaways. And this Philadelphia Eagles team has struggled all year turning the ball over. They cannot afford to turn the ball over this week against the Dallas Cowboys. And the Dallas Cowboys have been very good at protecting the football as well. So in addition to being in the top five in takeaways, they're also in the top five in turnovers. They don't turn the ball over a lot. And that's going to win you a lot of games in the NFL. If you can cause turnovers and protect the football, you're going to win a lot of football games. The Eagles need to do that this week. You can't afford to turn the ball over twice in the red zone. You can't afford to give this Dallas team any additional possessions. So we will see. We'll talk more about it as the week progresses. But And we'll get into our prediction on Friday. But guys, on Thursday this week, like every single week, we will be joined by Mark Farzetta, our Thursdays with Farzi. We'll talk to him. And then on Friday, we'll have our Football Friday, and I'll give you guys my predictions. But like we end every show with a little Today in Sports History, well, Today in Sports History was a great day. October 31st, 2008, 15 years ago, who in the chat remembers where you were October 31st, 2008? I know exactly where I was, and I'm wondering if you guys were in the same place. Anybody in the chat remember where they were October 31st, 2008? Anybody? Give you a little hint. You were probably on Broad Street. You were probably on Broad Street. And the reason you were on Broad Street is because we were celebrating the 2008 Philadelphia Phillies World Series win with the parade on Broad Street, my first parade that I've ever been to in my life because I was born a couple of days after the 76ers won their championship in 1983. So October 31st, 2008 was the first parade I ever saw, and what a beautiful day it was. Guys, on the way out, smash that like button. We will be right back here tomorrow at 10 o'clock. If you're not already following me on Instagram or Twitter, head on over. Bill Calarulo, legal hands to the face. We're posting daily Eagles content 
So check it out. Give me a like. Give me a follow. And as always, guys, go Birds. I'll see you all tomorrow, 10 o'clock. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.